1: This episode of Blue Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for supporting us over the past couple months. And whenever, if you've ever been a Patreon subscriber before and you've reached out to the show, I cannot thank you enough. That's all I have to say. Greg and I cover some topics with Rangers this week, have our good friend Drew Way on. And that is all. Here we go. Transition into the show.
0: Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier. And you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Wolf I
1: am your host Ryan Mead. I'm of the athletic, and I'm with my co-host Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello.
0: So, as uh, as everybody knows, big pony guy now.
1: Big. Basically, pony. my life.
0: Okay. Saturday was banner day for the ponies. Do you remember when my nickname of- was
1: Cookie? Uh, I, now your nickname is now Big Pony. I enjoy it. <laughs>
0: uh, Saturday Saturday and Sunday were banner days just for people who like to bet on names of horses. Okay uh the show that i watch every saturday well every every day even though well every day after or leading up to sunday because churchill is now uh their spring meets done they won't open back up until the derby in september <laughs> but anyway there were two races running one at churchill and one at belmont right yeah the race at churchill second race of the day horse by the name of de gram so obviously you know Greg is spending before? money on his he's he's ran before this was his second time in a month okay. which is common for horses but also also running at Belmont, five minutes after DeGrom ended, a horse by the name of O'Shea Can You See. So basically, two races into the day, all my money accounted for. Because yeah. I just put it all on the Met bonus. You're screwed, yeah. That's all I did. did and then Sunday, a the horse named rated R Superstar. That's a great name. Did you win, though? all the rest of the games. Uh, DeGrom came in second, and I had a place bet on him. So I won some money on DeGrom. Uh, O'Shea Can You See... Did he win? I think he won, and I think that opened up a daily double for me. And then I didn't win the daily double because I had a horse after that who didn't win. Right. But it wasn't O'Shea sees fault.
1: Welcome to the the number one New York Rangers podcast, Mets podcast, and horse betting podcast. We are here for your Rangers, Mets, and horse betting needs. Uh, two weeks,
0: two weeks away from uh, three weeks away from Saratoga opening. One week, two, two weeks, weeks away. From spring from
1: training opening. this week for Mets.
0: I think I believe it's called summer camp, Ryan.
1: Is that what they're calling it now? Okay. Yeah, they're
0: calling it summer camp, and that opens Wednesday.
1: Speaking of opening, uh, so the, I, saw, I saw a tweet today from the NHLPA. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong on some of these numbers, but in phase two, they had 25 people test positive for coronavirus, and now 11 in phase three so far. <coughs> I'm coughing as I so said. They, they haven't
0: started phase three yet, so this is all still phase two.
1: Got it, and phase three starts in, on July 10th or something like that at this point. That sounds right. Okay. If they could come
0: to an agreement on outstanding issues that they, for some reason, haven't agreed to yet.
1: Yes, and I saw that Bob today was tweeting, by the way, this man's about to retire from all we just learned, Um, (laughs) which is ridiculous, uh, that they have to, like, Friday or until the end of the week to figure this out, or they're screwed? I I don't... Well, think
0: about it. Camp's supposed to start a week from Friday. Yes, Get your shit together because camp's going to start soon.
1: They're all coming. Players are coming back from Europe right now to come play hockey. Like, uh, and Vegas is a hot zone. I mean, uh, Toronto is. We still haven't
0: announced where they're going to play games yet.
1: Toronto might be the second one. We don't know yet. It's still not confirmed. It it changes every single day. It was Edmonton. Now it's Toronto. New York is probably the best option at this point. It it really is. It's right now the the state with the lowest uh, infection rate or rather trending rate, and we have the stadiums to play it. I don't know why we would New York wouldn't be considered over a Toronto. Maybe because they want to get a, a Canada City in for the NHL. That would make sense for uh, hashtag save the economy. But I, I'm not sure what the – maybe maybe take Vegas and put that in New York. That kind of makes more sense to me at least. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure with, – with the Rangers having a chance at number one overall pick, I think there's a chance the season just gets cancelled and they don't have to even play the playing round and they would still have a shot at it at this point. I really am because i i'm I'm not sure we end up getting to play. I'm sure money drives that but I'm becoming more and more pessimistic by the week with the uh, the way numbers are, are headed in, in uh in the United States
0: yeah uh yeah I mean the numbers the numbers themselves should speak for themselves right yep. like we should allow the numbers to just be the full stop because things numbers-wise, are worse today than they were when the league shut down. And I or remember, even two weeks after the league shut down.
1: Correct. And I remember exactly the conversations we had at that time. And, of course, we did a uh, uh, kind of curve ourselves where hockey came back. We got excited. We covered the team. It's fun. It's, we had a lot of great things to talk about. And I, I got more, I guess, confidence that the league was going to come back. It seemed like they had a sound plan. The NHL was the first league to to do this, but really they just said this to get media. They don't really have a plan at all. Like I'm not sure they even have a players' protection plan in, in place at this point. I know the NBA has been that's been something they've been struggling with too. And today, uh, one of the first players for the MLB sat out, decided they were going to sit out the season. So I wonder, I wonder what's next for the NHL and they are they're coming back soon. I mean, I know the Rangers are coming back to possibly play three to four games. That's that's really it, up to five. So. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting situation over these next, even this next week. By next Monday, uh, when we record this podcast, we should have an answer of what the hell is going on.
0: We should. I, I don't know. It, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse with it anymore. It's just, yep. It's crazy hey, to be horse that, racing. I, hey, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm no, still upset I know. I got yeah. a, a horse in yeah. race. That that was a tough one to swallow. <laughs> uh, more for the horse than for me. Yes. I obviously kept living, but. It's a, it's a it's a bad beat. Yes. I think is the the proper way to say it. <laughs> again, more uh, for the horse
1: for you, but yes. I,
0: again, seriously, the horse is dead. Like I'm alive, <laughs> so yeah. alive. Not to be a dead um, horse. No, literally, uh, poor T- Talico, you magnificent beast, who cost me twenty bucks. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's just crazy to me when you think about the fact that it was one NBA player, Rudy Gobert, who tested positive back on March eleventh, and Rudy Gobert tested positive, essentially shut down the NBA, the NHL, MLB, uh, March Madness, uh, NWHL, MLS, NWSL, every sport you can think of except football, but even football was made virtual because of Rudy Gobert testing positive. One person, right? One person tested positive, we shut down all sports in America. Now the NHL has a release today saying 26 people tested positive, or somewhere around there, of 250 that were tested. None of us bat an eye. And then I think it was Vince who brought up the fact that if only 250 tests were done, that means there are about 450 more players that need to be tested. So that 26 number is bound to go up even more. And still we all just kind of sit here and think like, eh, what are you going to do? The, we, two weeks ago, the lightning had to shut down their training camp because five players tested positive. It was back open in th- four days later. What are we doing? Like what, what honestly are we doing? What? What's the end game here? Who benefits besides the owners? Like I'm, I'm good. Like I don't need sports to come back. I have my ponies. I have European Mm -hmm. soccer. I have this 94 rewatch. We're doing, I have old met games at the wazoo. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I will of course never complain if sports come back. I will not be like, Oh, this is unsafe. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to be that person even though I respect the opinion of those people. God bless them. They are stronger people than I am. I'm a weakling. If the Mets are on TV, I will watch the Mets when the Mets suck sans a virus, I watch the Mets. So if the Mets are playing amid a virus, it's kind of status quo for me as a Met fan. But it's like, honestly, what the fuck are we doing? We have no idea what this disease does to you long-term. You're still feeling effects from this motherfucker. And we don't even know if you had the intact, if full-blown COVID. But yeah, I might have uh, had
1: what would be called partial COVID at this point because not yeah. a, we don't really know. But I know I was no. exposed to it every single day for two weeks.
0: And people... People who have been, quote-unquote, recovered from COVID have experienced uh, lung scarring, which, by the way, if you're an athlete, is not good for you. Uh-huh, it's, yeah. like the, it, it's crazy. I just I don't know what we're doing. The most frustrating part, and I think the thing everyone can be frustrated about, is everyone who points at the European leagues and say, well, well they're playing, what's the deal? Yeah, they're playing because they took this fucking thing seriously. Italy had 190 positive tests in one day. The entire country. You know, the place that was a hotbed in March when we shut everything down, the place that looked like it was overrun and people were going to die by the millions in Italy. They figured it out because they took it seriously. Not only did we not take it seriously, we basically just ignored it. And it's now worse than ever in places outside of New York. The crazy thing is the safest place I feel. You asked me this question back in April. The safe, I would not have told you I felt safe in New York. I would have told you shit was getting bad in New York, and it didn't seem like it was ever going to get better. You asked me today put a gun to my head. I don't know where else in the United States I would travel to, honestly. I uh I, mean, every-
1: I went back to Long Island this weekend to see my mother, um spend some time with her. And we went out to dinner, uh, masks and everything. But I have to tell you, the amount of people that just don't understand the mask thing is pretty phenomenal. Like I, it's like wow. There's a gigantic sign outside the restaurant that says if you walk in, put a mask on. And everyone walked in without a mask. Everybody.
0: It was Yeah, I I can't there things I've I I haven't in a long time, consider doing, don't know when I would do. Can't tell you when I'd get on an airplane again. Not anytime soon. Tell yeah. Right unfortunately
1: now. for work, that might have to happen to me sooner than later. So good times.
0: Oh, dope. Uh, going out to eat inside of a restaurant. Okay. I don't, I don't know when I would do that. I'd much rather just keep getting takeout. Um, <laughs> get a haircut. I don't know the next time I'll physically go to a supercuts to sit down. Cause I just don't trust the other people. I did two of those this class.
1: weekend. And I have to tell you the whole process was, Unnerving and weird.
0: Yeah, I, I was, just shaved my head this week, dude. I just took it all off myself. I said, "Fuck it."
1: It was hard to enjoy dinner. I'll be honest. I was like, "What am I doing?" You know, my mom really wants to go out. She's worked. She works in the hospital. She's exposed to COVID every single day. You know, so this is like eating eating outside. Like outside of a restaurant for her is like a joy. Um, for me, it was weird because I'm sitting in my you know my room every single day just working from home and then I, I don't ever go out. I just get takeout. That's it. Or I'll take a walk down like the block or something. And then all of a sudden I I'm think... at a restaurant and no one's wearing masks and everyone's just like treating it like nothing's going on. And I had like a mini panic attack. Like what the hell, what the hell is going on?
0: I think I could handle outdoor eating because that's what we did. Yeah. I, I think I could handle that. But then like sitting inside of a restaurant, yeah, we, I just don't understand the point. We walked I don't through understand the restaurant what... to
1: go like to the outside section. And even then I got to watch people, like walk like walk in and the, just ignore the mask sign
0: constantly it's like whoa yeah well just like think about it when when you're going to a restaurant would you want to use the bathroom i remember my habits of using a bathroom before covid started and i know i'm not the not the silent minority here mm-hmm. by saying if <laughs> i i wasn't necessarily deep scrubbing my hands before and after every time i, was, I took a piss uh, i've
1: washed my hands more in the past 6 months than my entire life period End of stuff yeah but
0: it, i i'm still there are plenty of people that don't. Yep. I don't want to be thinking about that going into a public bathroom. So why would, why would I? Why would I put myself in that situation to do that?
1: Yeah, I'm I with wouldn't. you. I did it. I, I have to be honest. I'm not looking really forward to doing it again. A Takeout's been great for me. Um, and that, that was it. It's just a, it's a weird situation in general, and I'm not sure. New York is definitely the place that's safest right now. And, again, that's why they should be playing here. But they're not going to do that.
0: No, and I do wonder if some of it was when the NHL was making this plans, things were so bad in New York that they wouldn't, New York wouldn't have even made themselves an option. Yes. And I think, I think that's fair. Um, I also, I think, well, I think Cuomo has changed his tune. It would probably encourage the leagues to come here because I know he, he basically begged the Mets and the Yankees to do spring training. He did. In New York as opposed to going back to Florida, which, by the way, good fucking idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> yep. The Marlins saying that they might be able to have fans in the stadium. First of all, Marlins fans don't go to games. No one. So it's hilarious that the Marlins would say they would have fans in the stadium. But second, just even proposing that as a offhand comment with the way things are going in Florida right now. Are you nuts? What are you thinking? You can't be this stupid, and yet you surprise me every day. It's incredible. I I I don't I don't get it. I really don't know what we're doing. Uh, I mean, I, there's part of me that's thankful because it gives us something to talk about every week at the same time. It's really fucking stupid. I, I don't know another way to describe it besides that.
1: Let's talk about some uh, quick Ranger news. Uh, some things to, to hit on really before we uh, get to our good friend, drew way, who talk comes on and talks about the possibility of having the first overall pick. We talk about some prospects he's in love with, and we also talk about, uh, Niels with staying over in Europe, which is very similar to the conversation we just had. Uh, Artemi Panarin came out this week and pretty much said, hey, we have to end escrow. You know, started standing up for players and said, you'd also like like the play. He'd like to play in New York if possible. wants to support the local economy. I like Artemi Panarin a lot. He might be like the person... I didn't think it would be possible to feel this way about a player when I was 30 years old. Like, you know how, like, you feel... I I will never feel the way you felt about David Wright when you were, like, 16, right? I just... That will never happen. Because that's a whole... A whole other situation.
0: Sixteen. But, I felt about that way with David Wright when I was twenty-nine.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying, like you fell in love with David Wright when you were when you were young, and it and it stayed with you, and that made sense. But Arteta federer came into my life when I was thirty, and like, I love this dude. He's he really is just like everything I want in rooting for a superstar. He's he does like he's fighting for like the right things. He just wants other players to get paid, and uh, honestly, I can't blame him. I know he got a giant bag, but he says he's going to refuse to play until the people get paid or escrow's gone, and that's a stand that not a lot of players are going to be willing to take. And I wouldn't say Artemy is one of the top ten most popular players in the league. I think New York helped him with that, but this is that's not that's nothing nothing to sneeze at. That takes balls to do. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder if he will we'll actually see him at training camp in a couple of weeks because. He has to go to James Dolan and be like, "No, this escrow thing is not going to work for me and my friends, especially on this team. You got to take care of it." And I'm not sure that James Dolan actually might take care of it because the one thing he does do is pay m- pay checks. Um, but I'm not sure if that if he means for the whole league or just for the Rangers at this point.
0: Well, I mean, I get what Artemy's saying, but escrow's not going away. Yep. So it's it's it'll be a hill that he'll have to die on, and I I think there are enough players in the NHL that will allow him to die on that hill because that NHL players want other things. I, I personally, I just, I don't understand why the owners feel like they need escrow. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. We don't hear about escrow in other sports. I don't know if it's because it doesn't exist. I'm sure if it existed in the NBA or MLB, we'd hear about it and definitely the NFL. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's just a, it's a weird, I just, I'm sick and tired. Here's what I'm really sick and tired of. I'm sick and tired of billionaire owners saying they're broke. You're not broke. Like, you don't get into sports to make money. You get into sports because you have so much money that you don't know what to do and you need vanity projects. That's essentially what sports are. Every sports owner is not broke. You know how I know every sports owner is not broke? Because if they were, they would immediately sell their teams for billions of dollars. Like, the, the Wilpons, who, who fucked everything up, when they could have sold the Mets for 2600000000 billion, they're still going to get $1.4 for the New York Mets. That's how I know the Wilpons aren't broke. They're just cheap. And I think every sports owner, I get it. You didn't get rich by being like frugal or you got rich by being frugal. So you're, you're, you're trying to stay frugal, but if you own a sports team, you have a heap of money that you couldn't dream of spending in a lifetime. So shut the fuck up. Like, I I really don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any owner cry foul that this coronavirus has been such a heartache on their finances. No, it hasn't motherfucker. We all know it hasn't.
1: Yeah, sorry you on the sports
0: team. Sorry you didn't grow
1: 22% this quarter, like you have every other quarter for the last six yeah, years.
0: Guess what? Guess what? I, oh well it, the, the pandemic. The top one percent of this country has made five hundred and eighty-four billion dollars during the coronavirus because of bailouts and other weird market machinations. They're they're still raking in the money. And you know what? If you're really that broke, there are people lining up to buy the Mets right now. There will be people lining up to buy hockey teams if you're so broke you can't hold the team anymore. So, so, someone will
1: buy it. If, if the Raiders were for sale, you best believe there would be, there would be people trying to buy it.
0: 100%. It's, it's the most exclusive. Oh, sports ownerships. the most exclusive club in the world. There are only 31 people that can say they own hockey teams. 32 when Seattle comes NHL into the NHL teams, to be fair.
1: I want to give some you know, credits to some European sure. teams. K- You're sure. right.
0: You can go own a team in the Swedish League if you really want to, to say you own a hockey team. Yes. But it, the point stands. I don't, I don't want to hear owners crying foul. So, escrow doesn't make any sense to me because it's basically the easiest way to say it is not only do players pay taxes, they basically pay a league tax where the league with, is going to withhold 20% of their paycheck every year. It, if someone was withholding 20% of my paycheck, I don't make $11 million a year. I'd be fucking pissed off. I'd, I'd be like, where the hell is 20% of my earnings going? I'm not going to, I don't, I work a 40 hour work week. Are you telling me I can just take eight of those hours off because I'm not going to get paid for them? Like, it, it they're five-day work week, I'm basically getting paid four days to work five. And that's what the NHL players are doing. So it's – I get it. Escrow fucking sucks. At the same time, this is the bed they made. Like, yeah, I get it. And I feel this way for baseball players too. I feel terrible for baseball players. And I hope they stand, stand up and if they have to get locked out, they have to get locked out in order to get what they want. But at the same time, nobody put a gun to their head and said, sign the paper. Understand what you're signing before you sign it. This is why I was angry – at the owners in baseball back in March, you made the agreement to f- pay players fully. You can't just go back and say, well, we didn't mean it. No, no, that was your agreement. You have to go back and you have to honor it now. So I don't know. I am a hard ass when it comes to that, you've signed the deal. It's su- it's always going to suck for one party more than the other. And the only time it doesn't is when it's actually fair. The the players agree to this escrow shit. They got to get it out of the next CBA. It won't happen. The best they can do is lower the escrow percentage because once you make that bet, there's no getting rid of the bed. So I, I respect Artel Panan for standing up for it, but should have been speaking out about it a lot longer, like maybe during the last CBA negotiations.
1: I still think this is – I think he sees it as a chance to have leverage because um, the, the NHL really needs the players to come back to make money, and he sees this as a position of he's never going to have a better time to have leverage than right now. So he's going to try his best to, to do what he oh, yeah. believes is right.
0: The players, the players will never have more power than they do right now because – not only do they have power in negotiation, they have power of public perception. Yep. Because any player that says, I'm not playing in this shit, the large majority of people will not give him crap for it. Of course, there'll be the idiots that will. We know exactly who they are. And we don't want to give those people credence anymore. But it, this, Artemi understand, Artemi's really smart. He understands that this is his moment to basically say how he really feels. And he understands there's going to be no repercussions for those feelings. So, Artemi Panarin is reading the market perfectly. I just wish the players understood this back when they signed the CBA. And I hope they understand it before they extend the current CBA and hard decisions got to be made. It's that simple.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of hard decisions, the devils are taking a serious look at Lindy Ruff. by all means, please.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's, cra- it's crazy, right? Because as, as we, we had Tony and Ryan on the podcast, yep. right? They're, First name basis. Tony DiAngelo and Ryan Strong came on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And Tony specifically talked about the public perception of Lindy Ruff is obviously worse than what the players feel. And that's fair. Lindy Ruff, by all accounts, seems like a player's coach. I, I, I can't name a player that has regretted playing. Well, I can't name a player that has bad things to say about him. There are probably players, Neil Pionk in particular, that might regret playing for him. But he seems to be well liked in the locker room which is in the eyes of many owners what 60% of the battle at least yep uh he's respected in the NHL because he keeps getting jobs and keeps getting put up for jobs i mean the buffalo sabres thought about hiring him again before they went with ralph krueger he went from mystery candidate to seemingly the favorite with the devils and mind you again don't know that the, there are guys like there are guys like gerard gallant and peter laviolette who don't have jobs and Lindy Ruff seems to be on equal footing with those guys. So it's it's crazy. But here's the other thing, guys. As much as players can say they enjoy playing for Lindy Ruff, we have ample evidence to suggest that Lindy Ruff is not a good hockey coach. It's It's not a coincidence that the New York Rangers took a significant step back defensively when Lindy Ruff came here. It's not a coincidence that under two different head coaches, the defense has been consistently bad. It's not just coincidence that... Players who had good track records before coming to the New York Rangers all of a sudden were playing more poorly. Obviously, right? Kevin Shattenkirk got hurt. That doesn't help. Brendan Smith seemingly enjoyed getting paid a lot when the Rangers paid him. Big time. But it also... When the Rangers... Brendan Smith's the one I go back to because it's hard. I don't know how much of it is him enjoying his contract, and I don't know how much of it is this time with the Rangers has just fucked up his game. Because, remember his half season with the Rangers, not only was that four and at $4.3 million contract justifiable, all of us were for it. I don't know many people that were against it. He played incredible down the stretch. His pairing with Brady Shea in the playoffs was maybe arguably the best Ranger pairing in the playoffs because Ryan McDonough was still playing with Dan Girardi. So it's, there isn't a defender who's come to the New York Rangers that has gotten significantly better by playing for Lindy Ruff. So it's, it's, you know, the proof's in the pudding after a certain point. I don't know if the New York Rangers will all of a sudden revert back to being a defensively sound hockey team when Lindy Ruff goes. All we can say is where we sit right now, Lindy Ruff is responsible for the defensive strategies, and they suck. It, it's that simple. So if the Devils want to hire them, addition by subtraction. Because if the Rangers don't get better, it's at least a diagnosable issue.
1: All right, let's uh, do some five-star questions to get to our friend Drew. we got three questions today. This is from, uh, if you want to leave a five-star question, you go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. That's how it works. Uh, original MC1, this is Mike from New Haven one of our frequent commenters. MSG did a best of uh, best of last week of Yager highlights in New York Rangers. Yarmir was obviously so instrumental in reviving the Rangers after the doldrums of the late 90s, early 2000s. Looking back at his tenure, what is the defining moment that sticks out to you? I didn't watch Yager as much as you did, Greg, so I don't have like a Yager moment like i remember watching him and being like wow that guy's amazing and obviously he destroyed and then uh like a 600 goal was with the rangers but i'm not really i don't have a yoger moment is there one that sticks out with you
0: not really um the only like it's not a moment but his 120 point season is basically what i always go back to yeah that's kind he of how i feel he was just a unit and it, it was an experience he was basically a mac truck on skates going up against minivans and the minivans just had no no chance whatsoever. There's nothing they could do. But I like there's not like one game where Yager put up a hat trick or five points or whatever that sticks out to me as oh that was the Yager game. Uh, those teams, you know, th- those were just weird Ranger teams. Really were. It was, it was like a the team wasn't quite ready to be the 2014 Rangers yet, but you can tell that they were getting there. Mm-hmm. So it's. I don't know. No sign- singular moment stands out for me. I'm just very happy he was a Ranger. I'm happy that he gave the Rangers that 120-point season, and he's a fun, just a fun dude to look back on in terms of NHL history. That dude is truly one of a kind, just an absolute beast.
1: Another frequent commenter, FBI 2.0. Hey, guys, hope you are staying well and safe. I'm optimistic about the top-line players. This is a bit of Jad and Panarin, and also top prospects, Taco, Fox, and Shesterkin. Uh, being very good for the Rangers for a decent amount of time. But how do you see Quinn and the Rangers front office handling the bottom lines for the offensive defense? Are the bottom line guys going to be rotating players from Hartford? Are they going to be lean more on the veteran side for stability? Thanks again for everything. I think they're going to try and take anybody they drafted and find any diamonds in that rough or anybody they feel has been good. Cause I, we we didn't get to talk about this yet, Greg, but it was reported today that the salary cap is looking to stay the same for the next two years. And that is a bit, a bit of a bummer for the New York Rangers. Uh, I think they'll anybody that they find that is under an entry-level contract or a very, very cheap minimum contract will be filling out those bottom lines for them.
0: Yeah, but I also don't know if that's a problem. And I don't know if that's what teams should be doing all the time. I don't understand. It's different when you have a team like the Penguins, when you can put Crosby on one line, Malkin on one line, and Kessel on one line, right? Or the Maple Leafs, where basically the Maple Leafs' third line would be half this league's first line. That's a little different. And all those the, the Maple Leafs in particular was built from mostly their own pipeline. So they they just did a great job of scouting. And if the Rangers can do that good of scouting, God bless them. But I, I don't I don't really believe in the whole theory of paying for a third line. Like, would I want to give Ryan Strome four and a half, five million dollars to be the Rangers' third best center? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like basically look at the look at the New York Islanders. New York Islanders are a team of second and third liners with the exception of Matt Barzal. And they've given money to guys that they shouldn't have been given money to that now they can't really improve at the top. And I I, w- I would think, especially with the salary cap not going up, the New York Rangers don't want to get in that situation. I do believe Jeff Gorton and John Davidson are a little bit more forward thinking when it comes to those type of decisions. So I don't think the Rangers will get in that position, But look at what the Rangers essentially did this year, right? Their third line was a kid line, and they basically let those kids sink or swim on it. Kako drowned. Brett Howden continues to drown. And Filipito proved that he should be getting more responsibility and should be deserving of a higher role. If the Rangers want to keep doing that with their third line, it's tough to do it when you're a playoff team. But I'd much rather a team do that than sign, as much as I would want the Rangers to sign a Trevor Lewis type this offseason, just... I don't want the Ryan Stroms and Trevor Lewis's of the world taking up that third line. If the Rangers want that third line next year, it'd be Gauthier Kraftsov and someone we're not thinking of at center. I'm all for it. Give the kids a little bit more playing time, even if it's in a role that they might struggle in and let them sink or swim. The The problem this year with the Rangers is they didn't really have any lifelines to throw guys if they started struggling. But no. if, if they can, if they can get some better fourth line types like someone a little better than Greg McKegg, like the Phil DiGiuseppi's, right? We bring up DiGiuseppe almost every week on this podcast. You have guys like DiGiuseppi that can fill up your lineup where you can allow your rookies to try and survive on a third line. And if they're not surviving, move DiGiuseppe up. That's a strategy I can get behind and support. It's just this year, I don't think the Rangers were necessarily trying to make the playoffs. So it became a little bit more noticeable when Capacaca was struggling so much, but I'd much rather a team just play young kids on the third line all the time. And if you're struggling with the third line, and you're trying to be a playoff team. There are easy ways to address that. I just, I'd much rather that than trying to go out and pay guys to be on my third line. It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Final question from Christopher, 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 Norwegian. This is uh, he actually messaged me on the Twitter this week. He's from Norway. Hey guys, with uh, if we get the first overall pick and choose Lafreniere, one day I'll get it. Uh, we will have
0: Lafreniere. La, Lafreniere.
1: Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Alexis Lafreniere. Okay, I'm nailing it. Uh, we will have Panarin, Kreider, and him as top three left wings. I can't see Kreider as a, a, a third left wing in this case. Uh, do you think there's a scenario a where we trade Kreider after just signing him for long term for a top D-man or a center from Christopher I'll tell you from Right Norway? now, no. I agree. Uh, hold
0: on. Before, first things first. I thought I'm going to look this up. I just thought he was a center.
1: Who left Yeah. No, so, winger. Actually, Drew talks about that in about a minute. Really? Yeah, says there's, there is some. Uh, there is some. You know, listen to Drew in two seconds, promise.
0: Oh, no, 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 I don't. I don't trust any of you guys.
1: Okay, Drew. We'll literally, we just interviewed him. We're yeah, gonna, he is.
0: He's a left. He's a left winger. It's gonna, right, I'm an idiot.
1: We're gonna literally like transition to Fair Drew. Enough. He's gonna say that he takes some criticism because he's a winger. Blah 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 blah.
0: Well, we should. We should just mention because Kreider was brought up, and we'll bring up Truba. As far as we can tell, July 1st is still going to be July 1st when it comes to contract clauses.
1: Yeah, see that. Oh.
0: I see that. Truba and and Kreider are going to be Rangers. I I I talked about this a little bit today on the timeline, and Mm -hmm. I'll I'll just quickly mention it here. I think if you go back to the trade deadline, knowing all that we know now, Mm -hmm. I think the Rangers still give Chris Kreider the extension because trying to replace that type of production in your top six when you're trying to immediately compete for the playoffs starting next season, I think is impossible to do if you're the New York Rangers, especially – given how little cap space they would have had with or without Chris Kreider. Um, I think the Rangers are through the roof that they were able to move Brady Shea, not even for what they got for Brady Shea, just knowing they traded him without having to take on any money on his contract. Uh, but I think the Rangers, no questions asked, still extend Chris Kreider and I don't think they think twice about it.
1: I think I'm with you. They love Chris for, for a lot of reasons. Him Him as a person and him as a player. Uh, and they they want him on the team, and it was so obvious. And it, it was obvious that Chris wanted to be there. I think. They yeah, had- and it's,
0: it's important. It's also important to point out that while the Rangers are going to have cap questions that they'll need to answer this off season, as soon as they get through this off season, it, it's it's more open waters. So it's it's not that the Rangers are screwed for a long period of time with or without Chris Kreider. Even with the salary cap not going up for the next two years, and then only going up a million or two million in the third year, the New York Rangers are still going to have plenty of room to swim. It's just this off season is going to be difficult Brutal. and the Rangers are going to have some difficult questions to answer.
1: Brutal. Uh, next week, we'll rank uh, who we'd hate the most getting the number one overall pick and come back for that. But for now, here's Drew Way. Transition. Hey, we're back with probably the most uh, recurring guest we've ever had. Drew Way, prospect expert for the Bushwick breakaway. That's us. Drew, what's up, man?
2: Uh, well, there's a lot out, but yeah, there's relatively is. too much. How are you guys
1: doing? Uh, a been better. But here, yet again, for episode million, uh weeks in a row. Uh, so, I went out to dinner on Friday night, and I asked Twitter to keep me posted, thinking there was no way. Like, you know, I sat around, and I was like, oh, Detroit's going to get the first overall pick. Like, they tanked so goddamn hard. The math doesn't make sense. And we have what is pretty much an unprecedented uh, any playoff team, pretty much, or play-in team could get the first overall pick in uh, it, what was presumed to be Lafreniere. Did I nail that? Did I kill it? Yeah,
2: if and... I kill it, you mean butchered it, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. So, uh, Alexei and Lafreniere, nice. Nice job, Ryan. Going to get there eventually, hopefully when he's a New York Ranger. Um, But then uh, we're all going to have playing chances. So why don't you just le- at least tell everyone that's listening what they can expect from the first overall pick, if he is a Ranger or if he's playing for one of these teams that's going to haunt you for many years.
2: I mean he's a really good player. Uh, there's a reason why he's the pretty much the consensus across the board number 1. Um there's a little bit of, you know, chatter earlier in the season that maybe Quinton Byfield could challenge him for that top spot, but LaFreniere uh pretty much, you know, I mean he cemented it throughout the year. One thing I will say though is, well, I guess first on LaFreniere, you know, he's an over he's he's highly skilled, but also he's got a well-rounded skill set, right? Um he in terms of kind of what sort of player he is, he does everything really well and has a couple elite skill sets um, and has no blatant holes, right? Um, So he's a winger, which is one thing that some people knock him on. Um, I know, I remember reading something saying that like, you know, his favorite player growing up was Patrick Kane, and he tries to model his game a lot after Kane, and you can kind of see it, especially in the way that Lafreniere can function you know he, he's not like a burner right but he you know he's quick enough and everything he does is at such a high speed so it make like his game is very quick if you get what i'm saying i mean he makes quick decisions he everything he can do he can do at top speed um he's actually good defensively he put on a lot more weight and strength this year and became much more of a physical presence as well uh, the one real the one knock on him if you're looking for something to to drill him for is he's almost a year older than Quinton Byfield, who is like the number two in class in my opinion. Um, but other than you know being on the older end of the spectrum, you know there, there's really no red flags. There's nothing to not like about this kid. He's a you know started off you know more on the goal scorer side, but has also proven to be an elite playmaker. Good, great in transition, good on defense. You know it just there's really nothing to point at that's bad about him. And that's why he's the clear-cut number one prospect.
0: Drew, going into the lottery, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I stopped thinking about the lottery a lot leading up to it and was just about to let it all happen. And I, I think the three of us are of just about the same mindset here where we all, I think, just find it hilarious that the number one pick is going to go to a team undetermined and has a, a team that has basically a 50-50 shot at going deep into the playoffs. Uh, when when you do the math afterwards, though, the play teams all had about, when you put them all together, had a 25% chance at the number one pick. The Senators had about a 24% chance at the number one pick. And the Red Wings had an 18% chance at the number one pick. So really, we should have, exp- maybe not expected this, but it shouldn't have come as such a surprise, right?
2: I mean, to be honest, I wasn't that surprised at all. I, the only thing I was surprised about are like these people that were like, completely like taken back by the fact that this is the way it played out. Cause of exactly what you just said, you know, the aggregated percentage of this happening was about a 25%. So it shouldn't have come as some massive shock to everyone. I'm all for it, though. I'm team chaos. I think this is a lot of fun. It gives us a storyline to talk about now for the next few months. And uh, Hey, it's a really good, um, you know, silver lining if your team gets bumped out in the playing round.
0: How, how angry are you if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan? Because I believe Elliot Friedman did the math and decided that the Jets would have been the 12th team in the lottery if it was a normal playoff year.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know how angry you can really be. You know, the Jets have kind of hella buck right now who might be the heart, let alone the Vesna winner. Um, they got a chance to be the play in their offensive. You know, they're, they're completely loaded, but I, I get what you're saying in terms of that spot. But uh, I mean, who knows if this is the way it would have played out. You know, if you're going to, I don't, subscribe to you know what is it like the fallacy of the predetermined outcome if this lottery happened on a different day who knows what the results would have been um but I one thing I will say is the other day someone tweeted like hey which one of these teams do you want to land the number one pick and I said if it's not the Rangers like it'd be really fun if Winnipeg got it can you imagine Lafreniere on the team with you know Mark Scheifele and Patrick Line and Kyle Connor and, and Blake Wheeler and all those forwards there in Winnipeg that would be
1: really fun I mean, I'd feel really good for our dear friend Murat, who would be able to cover the team. Like, wow, that's a great – I know it's already fun to cover the Jets up in Winnipeg when it's not absolutely miserable outside, and he's stuck in a cab going to the stadium. Um, but
0: I just, I just assumed it snowed in Winnipeg yesterday. I, I, don't have any, I don't have any verifiable fact to back that up. I think it hailed just, in
1: Brooklyn like five minutes ago.
0: Yeah, but that's hail. Hail's not snow. It's close. I don't know if that that's that's weather with Greg, by the way. You <laughs> hail, not snow. To win the
1: game, you gotta score points. Uh, yeah, I think Lafreniere in, in the, at the Jets would be great, but I just don't think that's gonna happen because life is cruel. You've seen 2020, right? He's gonna be a Pittsburgh Penguin. There's no doubt about it.
2: Nah, the Penguins are gonna win. The Canadians suck.
0: I th- I think it's more Carey likely Price? he'll be a Blackhawk. Carey Price, a...
1: Drew. Don't
2: fuck off with this Carey Price nonsense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Three years uh, he'll be he'll be a Blackhawk, and we could all be pissed off that they're basically restarting their second wave dynasty for the next ten years. Drew, more importantly, the thing that people care about, let's play the let's play the scenario where the rangers don't get the number one overall pick. Uh-huh. I think their most likely outcomes are somewhere in that ten to thirteen range, and then probably, late teens early 20s depending on how far the hurricanes go after they beat the rangers if they beat the rangers yeah who are who are the names the rangers should be looking yeah. at in that just outside top 10 just outside top 20 range
2: yeah you know, i'll get to that first but i'm curious before we get to this i want to ask you guys a question how do you feel about you know what are you rooting for are you, are you openly rooting for the rangers to lose like what what's your hopes here given the way the lottery
1: played out i uh, this oh. is a great question for me personally because <laughs> I, I'll I'll get flame for it. I don't care. I, I just can't see a scenario where the Rangers don't beat the Hurricanes. I'm so goddamn confident that they will beat them. But I know that once they beat the Hurricanes, they will go into the next round and get their shit kicked in. And they will get swept. And then because of that, they won't have a shot at the first overall pick. So would I like to see them go get, beat the Hurricanes and take a deep Stanley Cup run? Yes. The goal is to win the Stanley Cup. But I don't think the Rangers get close to the Stanley Cup. They have the hardest path to get there, uh, of of every team that's not like Montreal, and that's just it. So I'd rather have the shot at a thirty, like twelve point five percent chance to get a franchise changing player, along with you. Just have you have Artemi Panarin, you have Kapokako, you have Mika Zibanejad, and your franchise goalie. I would like that shot. And rather than just beat the Hurricanes, move on, and then either Boston or Tampa just
0: shit houses us. Uh, so I'd rather have the shot at it. Yeah, i so sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I'm just I'm just playing with house money. That that's the way I see it. Either the Rangers win and they get to go on a little bit of a run in this ridiculous playoff format, or the Rangers lose and they have a twelve and a half percent chance. So really, this is the scenario where I'm. I'm just rooting for the Rangers. And if that means I get to root for a number one overall pick, so be it. I'm not going to openly root for them to lose. I just, I I honestly think this is literal house money. The Rangers still have their shot at the lottery all while still having a shot at the playoffs. It's the best. It's the best of both worlds to quote the great Miley Cyrus slash Hannah Montana.
2: That's a a Miley Cyrus quote now. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you, Greg. I'm, I, I know like I'd see you know I'm the prospects guy. It's easy for me to sit here and be like yeah yeah the Rangers should lose and get that one and eight chance for Lafreniere. But like I know once the game starts, I'm gonna be rooting for the Rangers to win. But you know what? If they lose, hey, this is a great silver lining to have. Um, and that's that's where how I feel about this. Um, anyway, so, sorry for that sidebar there. So you to know who who we should be looking at in those spots?
0: Yeah, I, I let's I'll give I'll throw two numbers at you. Let's say the Rangers okay. pick twelfth. And then uh, let's say the Rangers pick twenty fourth. Who who are the guys that I should be hyping up right now? Because well, they're going to be New York Rangers, and obviously they're going to be the best players drafted in this draft.
2: Well, I'm glad you asked. With the with the twelve, so say the Rangers pick twelve, like you say. Uh, the you know the official winner of the 2020 Ty Smith Memorial Trophy is Jan Mysak. His 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 last name <laughs> pronounced Okay. but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, in in Czech, if you listen to any of the the games, like when he was playing in the Czech league, it was pronounced like mishik But when he came over to Canada, he took away like the the different symbols and stuff above the letters. Sorry, I don't know the names of them. And it's the the announcers were pronouncing it Jan Mysak. Hence all the the his brother lick jokes. Did you see what someone did to Craig Button on Twitter? No.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they asked I mean, him where he would rank Lick Mysak
2: really <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and craig responded he's like sorry i'm not familiar with it. <laughs> that
1: is hilarious
2: uh-huh. um but anyway yeah so jan uh Mysack, i have him rank oh, 11th it's
1: such a but rager i the, would love that guy on,
2: on bob mckenzie's list bob mckenzie had him like in the low 30s which is fucking insane to me but you know, to me, is he's an excellent player, and, and I was kind of going on before about how Lafreniere has no obvious holes. Like so does you know Mysek has is, is just everything he does is good, um, and, and one of the things that I like the most about Maisec when you watch him play is he's got this ability you know in like basketball people will talk about creating their own shot all the time like that is my sack in the offensive zone um he, he he's really patient with the puck on the stick and it, when you watch him he does this thing where if the defender is kind of sagging off of him a bit he'll skate towards the defender to open up some of the other lanes in the offensive zone and then from there he's good he's a good enough pass there where he can make any pass that he needs to if one of his teammates becomes open but he's also have a, has a good enough shot where he can slap it on net really quick he's got a very quick release and a very accurate wrist shot so he can get it on net quick or he's a good enough stick handler where you'll there are a few highlights you'll see where he just geeks around the defender in pretty tight space and then in tight space he's a good enough you know stick handler where he keeps the point in tight and can still, still snap his wrist shot off like it's nothing he's great in transition he's a very good skater he's better defensively than most people give him credit for um, he, you know he's played center and the wing and there's been a lot of questions about what he'll play in the NHL and it'll probably come down to what the team needs but I'm adamant, I, you know, I adamantly feel that he's a good enough defenseman and he's good enough, you know, in the faceoff dot where he can translate to center in the NHL. It really will just be what his team prefers. Um, and, you know, he's got decent size. He's six foot. I think he weighed in at like just over 180. He's a left-handed shot. He's a pretty young player. His birthday's in June of 2002. So theoretically, he's still got a lot of development to go compared to a lot of his peers in this draft class. And I just I I think he's just a fantastic player. He, he's got a good combination of you know like IQ, a well-rounded game, but also dynamic ability. And I, honestly, I can't for the fucking life of me understand how anyone thinks he's not a first-round player. And I mean, I get it, scouts. This is their whole job. I do this as a hobby. La da da da. But like, I I seriously question what the fuck they're doing with their job. If if you have all these scouts telling Bob McKenzie that nah, he's not a first rounder. Um, and yeah, it's it's ridiculous to me. But he's one guy that I would circle, put in bold for if the Rangers took him with their own pick. I'd love it if he got if the Rangers got him with their second pick. Like I'll go streaking down the streets.
1: Uh, you know, I'm looking. We're going to hold you to the streaking for part. sure. <laughs> I'm looking him up right now. It doesn't seem like a lot of people have him ranked too highly. Am I am I wrong in saying yeah.
2: that? Well, he's a classic case of a lot of folks like me who are sort of like hobby prospect guys yep. who. Um, you know, I, I do watch a good amount of the games, don't get me wrong, but I also rely on a lot of like data analysis and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, you all guys know, you know, analytics was my first love with this hockey writing and stuff, yes, sir. Um, of, like the Twitter prospect community, um, like, like Tobias and like, um, you know, like Sam Stern and those guys, yep. they all have right up there with me, you know, 10 to 15 range. A lot of the old farts who, you know, sit there and think that size and physicality are still, like, two of the most important aspects I- in hockey. They're the ones that typically have him out, you know, towards the bottom end or outside of the first round.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, I will say one of the great things I love about Elite Prospects is they show where prospects are ranked on other publications. And, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, McKenzie has them lowest at 34. But after that, I mean, Hockey Prospects has them 26. ISS hockey has him 25 McKean's hockey 27 NHL central scouting has him 28 elite prospects themselves has him 29 so it's while it it sounds like while you would love him at 12 he seems like a reasonable target at 24 so why don't I'll say this yes he is but like I'm just I want to put it out there now
2: like if if the Rangers take him at 12 13 14 wherever they pick you should be happy do not right Play that game where it's like, oh well, this fucking list had him lower. Like, no,
0: he'd be. Well, how how about how about this? I'll throw another curveball at you. Let's say, I'll flip this on you. Give me a second prospect the Rangers should think at twelve, and get lucky with my stack around twenty-four, and then give me a second prospect around twenty-four. So I was just I was just
1: about to push you on this, Drew. So Anton Anton has been my guy recently. And like, what is the odds? I I, he could fall to even twelve.
2: I gotta ask what what is how is he your guy what do you happen
1: very very recently i started just doing this light dive mostly it's because he's finnish if i'm being honest (laughs) (laughs) and i have some strong relationships with my the good people of finland i don't know if you know um (laughs) but i watched a couple youtube videos and i was like i'm in
2: Nah, he's excellent. I like, you know, in that article I did recently where I, you know, I announced like my was the, you know, the winner of the Ty Smith trophy, I did a number of finalists. Lundell was one of my finalists. The the main reason why I didn't go with Lundell to win it was just because like a lot of people have him really high and I didn't feel quite right. You know, I like with the Ty Smith trophy, I like it being like a guy that I'm standing that I'm significantly higher on than the industry. Yep. The people that are low on Lundell have him in like the 12 to 15 range right that's not whereas I had ranked him fifth um and the, the knock people say on lundell is is you know he reminds some people of Leah Anderson in that they're like oh he, he's a well-rounded player who isn't extremely dynamic and, and and I I can't stress enough like like fuck off if you think that's a bad thing. Um, lundell I'll be honest, Lundell's floor, and so like the floor, not his most likely outcome. Like what I think is assuming no injuries or anything like that, like like his, his, the lowest of his most likely outcomes is Derek Stepan. And if you remember, like Derek Stepan was, you know, we were all arguing that he legitimately was a, a first line center in that there's 30, 31 first line centers in the league. Derek Stepan was one of the top 30. That is, I think, Lundell's worst case scenario where he'll be putting up 50 to 60 points, be a true two-way center, and you can play him against any line in any situation, whether it's on the power play, the penalty kill, five on five against the opposing team's top line, against the fourth line, anything. I would say in terms of his most likely outcome, Lundell, I think, is definitely a guy that can be 60 to 70 points, you know, anchoring either your first or second line, depending on how you want to move things, and he can play literally in every situation. And... He could be a perennial Selkie candidate while also easily putting up, you know, 65, 70, 75 points a season. Um, He's, you know, one of the things that I've said before is I'm always really attracted to guys who have like high hockey IQs and like good luck watching any game this guy's played in and finding areas where like, oh, he made the wrong decision there dude always makes the right decision. He's not like a burner, but as I was saying a bit about Lafreniere earlier, like everything he does, he, he can do everything he does at his top speed. He's got a good shot, a much better shot than he gets credit for actually. And one of the things that I think is very important about shooters is being able to get your shot off in traffic because any idiot can, take a slapper when they're wide open but being able to protect the puck in traffic and still snap a shot off that's hard and accurate lundell can do that he's a great playmaker good in transition he, he literally does everything well um and, and i don't understand for the life of me how people think he would be a bad pick in the top 10 all
0: right so if we're playing perfect scenario here the rangers somehow get lundell at 12 mm-hmm. and my at 24 let's yep. let's flip it let's say they decided to go my at 12. Uh-huh. Who would be your guy at 24?
2: Well, I have Noel Gunler at 10 and a bunch of people have Noel Gunler in the 20s. And so he's another guy. Him, Gunler and MySec are both guys that I'd be thrilled at 12. But you know, you're if you know Bob McKenzie, I, I disagree with a lot of the way his ranks come out, but but his ranks are the best indication of what might actually happen because his ranks are from talking to all these scouts who have influence over what their teams are thinking of doing. And so I mean I have MySec ranked 11 uh, Gundler ranked 10 and both of them might be available at that pick we have in the twenties. And so those are like, if we get either of those with our second pick, it's, you know, game on, this is incredible. Um, and in, in terms of other guys though, that might be available in like the twenties that I like a lot, um, there's one, uh, you know, there's one player, uh, you know, Brendan Verson is a guy who's a late riser. He plays in the USHL for Chicago. He's actually super dynamic. His father is actually Pat Verson, the super powerful agent. He's John Tavares' agent. Um, but Brendan Verson, he's got, just, you can actually, honestly, just go Google him, like look up some YouTube clips. I included him in like my Ty Smith article as well but he's got the sickest one-timer I think I've ever seen in a prospect before. And then on top of that, he also had just, you know, he's a good skater. He's decent in his own zone, great transition. And he's a pretty good playmaker and a very smart player as well. Um, a couple other guys that might be there in the, you know, around like the twenties or so there's this player, Seth Jarvis. Um, You know, he's a, he, he's from the WHL. He's a player. He's, um you know, he was a bit of a late riser, um, when I did my first ranks, I had him in like the second round, but he had the most insane numbers of anyone in the CHL over the second half of the season. And he's a bit on the smaller side. I think he's like five ten, like a buck 70. Um, but he just, I, I, another one of those guys like you're going to keep hearing this thing where I'm always attracted to guys that are, you know, have well-rounded games or smart players, but Jarvis does it, uh, pretty much a little bit of everything, but also has an elite wrist shot and is always in the right place at the right time. Um, And and another guy where I can, he'll probably go in between the Rangers two picks, but I could see really being the type of player the Rangers like is the center Dylan Holloway from the University of Wisconsin. Um, he's, He's a bit on the older side for this draft class, but coming into this year, he was borderline top 10. Uh, and everyone was all excited about Wisconsin this year because Wisconsin was loaded with talent between, you know, Keandre Miller and Holloway and I think Alex Turcotte, I believe, at Wisconsin, too. And there's a number of super, super high-end NHL
0: prospects on that. It yeah, wasn't, wasn't Cole Caulfield also at Wisconsin Cole this Caulfield. year? Yeah, yeah, Cole Caulfield.
2: But the problem is, is in the NCAA, like, yeah, it's great to have all these freshmen and sophomores that are dynamic talents and, and you know, big NHL, you know, big NHL potentials but that doesn't make a good team necessarily. And so they had a very underwhelming season. Pretty much all those guys' numbers suffered. I mean, you guys probably heard a lot about how Keiondra Miller didn't quite put up the numbers that people were hoping for. The entire team's numbers were down this year. And because of that, Holloway is probably going to slip to, like, the mid to late teens. And he's another guy where, like, if the Rangers could get him with their pick in, like, the 20s, like, that would be a really good um, pick as well.
1: So what I'm hearing from you, Drew, is this draft seriously is incredible. And I know I've heard it from many, many people, but – just you saying that you have people ranked, you know, in, in the 10 or 12 or 11 section there that are ranked by everyone else in the 20s makes me feel like it's almost a no-lose no situation for the Rangers. Like, how could they mess this up? He said, knowing they'll mess it up.
2: Yeah, um, there's definitely ways they could fuck this up, especially because there's two or three defensemen that I have in, like, the mid to late second round that, like, traditional pundits have in, like, the teens and 20s. And, like, taking one of them, that would be a great way to fuck it up. Whereas, like, this guy, Caden Gould, for example, the, I think Bob McKenzie has him 14th. I have him, like, 60th. <laughs> okay. And uh, I saw, like, someone did a mock draft today and had the Rangers taking Gould cool at 14. And I was like, if this happens, I'm just going to kill myself.
1: Just end it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, it's, I think that's – when they took Leas Anderson, I was kind of like, huh? I still kind of feel that way. Um, and I just hope that's not the case again this year. Um, I guess well, it what
2: right. it is here, yeah, I'll expand on it. It's Ken, it's, it's Kaden Gould and it's, uh, Braden Schneider, two defensemen who are like big physical defense first defensemen, but they can skate really well. And so like the traditional pundits, you know, the obvious big defensemen that play well in their own zone, but now they're trying to defend it. Look, they can skate too. either worthy of a top 15 pick. It's like, no, they still aren't that good at hockey.
1: Right. It's like uh, the the basketball player that does everything except they don't have a mid range jumper. It's like cool. You can so you can do everything but oh. shoot the ball.
0: <laughs> uh, are you are you trying to just say Kevin Knox? Because I can was just say Kevin
1: Knox. I was saying Kevin Knox. I'm sorry, sorry Knicks fans. Listen, LeBron's first choice in 2010 was the Knicks. Okay, I'm just saying. Um,
2: hey, hey, remember when I told you guys a couple months ago that the Ringer kind of sucks and Bill Simmons has lost it, and you got mad at me? I How am I-,
1: I take it back. I take it back. And as I'll, I'll
2: I recall, that, I specifically said him and Russillo sucked together.
1: I still will – I like Russillo's game. I like his game, you know? I like the way he plays the game. This uh, game
2: is a wannabe hardo who likes bragging about the fact that he works out.
1: He does. Listen, the reps are strong, bro. He gets to the gym. It's closed now. But he built one of his living rooms. So respect the Sorry, game. Sorry, I had
2: to bring that up. No, it's okay.
1: Sivens it. has yeah. been – um. Uh, it's been really tough for me, I'll be honest, uh, cause that that dude was like my idol like ten years ago. I was like, wow, this guy's doing like audio from his house. This is awesome, and I listened to all his episodes. And I feel like he really lost his fastball the last two years. But that's what you get when you make two hundred and forty-five million dollars by selling to Spotify, I guess. So whatever. Um, so I'm not salty. <laughs> I, I totally am. Uh, where where was I going with this? I think I was trying to say that.
2: We were talking about the draft class in total and how good it is and yeah, how it's, they can it,
1: It's so fucking good. I hope they don't mess yeah. it up. But they're, 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 one no. thing I'll say okay. is there
2: are there's a little bit of pushback recently. People think, like, well, is the class really that good? La I'll say this, like, no, there's no Connor McDavid in this class. And so because of that, like some people are gonna look at it a little side eyed. Like LaFrenier, I think, is incredible, but he, he's not Connor McDavid. He's he's probably not even Jack Eichel, honestly. Um, but like from the, literally I have, you know, twelve guys. I think it is who all would be would have been in the argument. Like you could have made a reasonable argument that they could have gone in the top five or six last year. And last year was a pretty decent class. And we've so. had this
1: conversation before, but you still think Kako, if if in this class goes in top five?
2: Yeah, yeah, I would probably have Kako. Given again how inc- erasing what happened this year, so just based correct, on what- just
1: basing on the Finland play yeah
2: I'd probably have him, so I have a tier. My second tier is players two three four. It's Quentin Byfield, Lucas Raymond, and Tim Stutzla. I'd have Kako on that tier.
1: that's fair. I hope he lives up to that this year, uh and obviously we're coming back to play some hockey, so and he's on his way back You see, how, you well, see how skinny
2: Kako looks now?
1: He looks really skinny i uh because i was i was I was looking at him carrying his chicken wings from Finland today. He was getting his final meal in Finland, and I was looking I was like wow, so. it look looks like he lost a lot of muscle. Uh, over the past I don't couple know months. Why the
2: fuck i even bothered asking if you saw that
0: of course i saw it what do you think
1: <laughs> Who do you think i am Drew? um
0: yeah Ryan, ryan's studying pictures of kapokako i'm looking at pictures of milky cabrera because for some reason the mets decided to sign him today that's a weird yeah you, you, you know that picture you, you know that, like that popular meme
2: where it's like the guy and the girl in bed and the guy's looking away and the woman's like oh he's gonna cheat on me yeah and the got some no, that's
0: definitely ryan and his wife and ryan's just thinking no it's kapokak
1: i just wanted, I just, did he his skating
0: improve what's the, he up to the <laughs> difference the difference though is diana knows exactly what ryan <laughs> like there's there's, she's, there's no way well. there's <laughs> no way she's not clued in she's probably sitting there just thinking he's fucking thinking about kako yeah Nobody she knows. knows yeah
1: she knows um
2: that's, that's probably true i like I said, i've never met her she sounds like a sweetheart though so that's probably true
1: we'll get there one day uh the last thing we—actually, well, one more thing I want to talk about about Melky, Melky Cabrera. I remember one time Mike Francesa was like uh, arguing how Melky Cabrera was such a better player than Brett Gardner for like three hours on WFAN, and I always think about that conversation. Is like uh, Brett Gardner's not a real Yankee; he's nobody. But Brett Gardner's still on the team. It's twenty twenty. That's insane. Melky Cabrera signing with Mike the Mets. Br- um my takeaway
2: from this is that you once listened to Mike Francesa for a couple hours straight I
1: listened to a lot of WFAN between the years like my 16 to 21 years yeah a lot of it um, yeah
0: speaking speaking of things that are now in the shitter did you guys hear what Boomer Esiason said today yeah on his morning show
1: yeah per- I did not uh, ahead, he Greg.
0: basically Bo- Boomer said that he's convinced Clebson football players are getting COVID now so they won't get it during the football season
1: so yeah so you could be ready for a season football guys
2: I'm not commenting on
1: yeah, that. Yeah,
0: good, good idea. <laughs> good idea. You on Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo, but you won't <laughs> comment on Boomer Esiason. Well, yeah, oh, okay, because
2: I, uh, because I I used to love Bill Simmons back in the day, and I came out strong on on this pod not too long ago, being yeah. like, Ringer stinks, and Bill Simmons has lost it. And I remember Ryan was very upset
1: by that. I so was. I had to rub it in sure. <laughs> um, the last thing we talked, we brought you on to talk about is Niels Lundqvist uh, decided he's yes. going to stay over overseas with his squad. He says he wants to win on his homeland. I don't see anything wrong with that, it, right? Like it, he also said, what's
2: going on is plays a big factor too. Sorry for interrupting. You, oh no, like, it's
1: it's okay. I thought that I was know, a given because America is yeah. having a good time. Versus- well, you'd
2: think it was a given, but you see the fuckwits that came out on Twitter recently bitching and moaning about this. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I I I think it it's. It all makes way too much sense if you're Niels Lundqvist. The Swedish yeah. season starting on time next year. He's from Sweden. He said he's spoken multiple times about how he wants to win a championship in Sweden. And more importantly, if he comes, if he signs an entry level deal, he doesn't know when he'd be able to come over to play in the AHL because we don't know when the AHL is going to start. And so on top of all that he's
2: probably gonna be on the top line this year. One of the top liners from last year, I believe is not on the team anymore. So even though he had a great role last year, his role is gonna be even more elevated. Like you said, he's at home. It's a great situation. It's a great developmental situation. The kid is developing so well over there, but we wanna bring him to Hartford, who's got such a fucking good track record for developing defensemen. Why? we're good. I like, listen, I appreciate that John Davidson has said, we want to put more resources in there, this and that. But I still haven't seen shit proof to say that they know what they're doing developing players down there.
0: Well, yeah, I, I just think the more, even not the developmental question, we just don't know when the AHL season is going to start. So why yeah. would you want a player signing a contract to then come over here at a question mark date when he can just push it down the line for another year? You get an extra year of his entry-level contract whenever he decides to sign it. Oh, by the way, he's going to play in one of the more competitive leagues in Europe, which, oh, by the way, is going to start on time. Like it's a, it's a, a layup team. decision,
2: yeah. And on a good team, and a, like everything about it is smart. I, I I couldn't believe it when I saw like some people that are you know, pretty. It, it wasn't just like the typical idiot in NYC the Mick followers complaining <laughs> about it. Like it was like actual normal people who I usually like being like, oh my god, this is a bad sign. I'm like, would you pull your head out of your ass? Like how is this a bad sign?
1: Yeah, he's still coming over. It's just it. He'd rather play at home. And I, I if I'm him. I'm playing in Sweden this year. Why would I come over to the United States? Have you seen it? By the way, Europe today, they were like, yeah, everybody, we're opening the borders again. By the way, United States, why don't you stay home? It's all good. We're good, bro. That's just what it is. So if I'm him, I'm not coming over. Just take your time. I'm surprised Kako and some other other players are coming back over from Europe right now for the playoffs. I don't blame them at all if they they wanted to stay there. We don't even know if the playoffs are going to happen. They haven't even finalized the hub cities. So
2: no. they so will be making a lot of money for coming over. So that's probably why
1: that's a good reason, huh? Uh, I'd probably do it too. <laughs> All right, Drew. Uh, any other final questions for Drew Gregory before we get,
0: let him go here. Um, I guess the the only other overseas guy that a Ranger fan would have a question about. So I guess we should ask it here, but I'm pretty sure the same answer is going to apply to him that it applies to Niels Lundquist. There's just no reason for Lori Puginiemi to come over here either. Right.
2: Right now, he's at a good spot where he's at, you know, the La Liga, Liga, Christ, Finnish Liga is probably going to be opening up, you know, I'm assuming on time as well. Um, Yeah, he's, he's, he's in the perfect developmental spot right now. There's no reason why the Rangers would want to bring him over and there's no reason why he would want to come over. So just yeah, keep the status quo with your European players.
1: That's what we'll do. Thank you so much, Drew. Uh, you can find uh, Drew on Twitter at Drews Underscores Ways. Right? Wait, wait. Drews underscore way. I got it here. Drews
2: Underscore way. Close enough.
1: I was close. Dyslexia gets the best of me all the time. My apologies. Greg will be tagging me, I'm
2: sure, in the post
1: tomorrow. Absolutely. The- find me that way. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. We will talk to you soon, and I uh, hope everything's good with the family and the kid.
2: all Wells here. Thanks. I'm glad to hear all is well
1: with you, and thanks for having me on. Of course, Drew. Talk to you soon, bud. Peace. Bye. Okay, great show today. I want to thank Drew for coming on. You can follow me on Twitter at Mead. You can follow Greg at Bushert's break. And I'm just going to take a second at the end of the show here to thank a, a few specific people for supporting us throughout the years. First and foremost, Benjamin Waters, a good friend of ours, who said I haven't been thanking him enough, and I haven't. He's right. I haven't thanked a lot of people recently, of people that supported us through Patreon. Tory from Manhattan, Eric Kahn. Uh, I know Ben Weber is out there, Brian Doyle. Uh, there's a lot of great people who have supported us throughout the years, and honestly, I don't know if we'd be here without you. I hope everything's okay with your family and everything's going on. Go! I hope everything's going great in general, despite how crazy 2020 is. So we'll be back on Wednesday, doing a, or rather Thursday morning, uh, doing games five and six of the 1994 Eastern Conference Finals versus the New Jersey Devils, including the Messier-Garrett game. We will see you then. As always, feedback is welcome.